Merry Christmas. It's a, uh, it's a fun Sunday. I, one time someone came up to me afterwards like, you know, you use the word happy and fun too much. Um, and I thought this was kind of crazy. He goes, the biblical word is joy. And he kind of said it with a sour face. I'm like, well, okay, we can go with that. I agree, joy is used a whole lot in the scripture, but joy's fun, often. Joy, often, is somber. And it's an internal reassurance. It's a faithful joy that sometimes we have when we're going through trials. But uh, I don't know about you, but I'm happy in my salvation. And uh, so there's happiness, there's fun, and, and I hope that, that this is just kind of a more relaxed Sunday where we just show our joy. Our joy is on display for all to see because we have a Savior who saved us. I, uh, I'm happy to report that I heard from Pastor John uh, on Friday and a little bit uh, last night, and uh, they are relaxing and also freezing in Nebraska. I, uh, I think that their bodies have adjusted to the California weather, and it's a little shock to the system, and, and, uh, and I can imagine. That's all I can do. I can only imagine what Nebraska must be like, because you wouldn't catch me there. It's a flyover state, and I've told them that so many times. Um, I've been cold on the East Coast, but the prairies with the wind and the whole bit, I, I hear it's nice. And so you can have it. But they are enjoying time with family. They're relaxing. And they, and they said this, please wish the church family a, a very Merry Christmas from, from the Prettyman family. And so uh, um, I'm going to step out on a limb here and make an assumption that you would like to wish them one back. And, and I will, uh, I'll text them that later. So a couple other things to mention before we jump in. Come back tonight. It's going to be more singing. It's a time of worship. We'll have some special numbers. We don't do that a whole lot. We like you to be singing. Um, frankly, Darren and I have also laughed that we don't want to have to tell someone, no, you're not stage ready. Like, if you've grown up in church, sometimes like, hey, I'd like to sing a solo. <laughs> and it doesn't go well. And so neither of us really like that kind of confrontation. And so, but tonight we do have some special numbers. A lot of honesty on display right now. But it will be a time of special music and singing and, and some scriptures where we're just going to focus our hearts and our minds on Jesus Christ, our Savior who's come. And so please be a part of that. Also, just to, to add again, uh, be praying about um, the offering tonight. It adds additional funds to our benevolence fund. There's so many people in need. Um, you know, it's a, it's a quiet thing. And, and I just would remind you, we need to care for one another within our body. And it's a joy to care for one another. So um, if you ever find yourself in need, and I kind of understand this. I've gotten that phone call on a Thursday where, uh, hey, by the way, you're done tomorrow. We're making a change. And it's a scary time. And uh, many of us live paycheck to paycheck. And when that ends, it can be a scary time. We care for one another. Um, and it's a joy, and that's what we're supposed to do. And so if you have a need, see one of our deacons. And uh, that's what these funds are for. Um, they'll be used to be a blessing should uh, someone find themselves in need. Well, <clears throat> a month or two ago, Pastor John gave me uh, quite a few weeks of advance notice knowing that he was planning vacation. And he said, hey, can you preach one of these two weeks? Can you do Christmas Sunday or, or the next week? And Michael will be on next week. And I chose this Sunday. And here's a little bit how my, 
mind works, and again, sorry for the scariness. But I thought, hey, I want Christmas Sunday. And you know why I did that? I said to myself, there's no pressure and no torture on what am I supposed to preach on. I'm just going to preach on Christmas. Sounds good on paper. It sounded real good in that couple seconds. You know, I was like, hey, what's Sunday want? I want Christmas. Now I know what I'm going to preach on. I'm going to preach on Christmas. Christmas is huge. It's big. I mean, just off the top of your head, think about all the places you can go because it's about Jesus Christ. We have the whole of the Old Testament that we could tie into the advent of Christ. We have the New Testament where it showed that Christ has come. And now because of Christ's perfect life, the way he lived, he lived a perfect life. He went to the cross. He died and rose again so that we now walk in newness of life. We could preach on that. We have years and years worth of sermons for all eternity until Christ comes back. We could proclaim the Christ of Christmas each and every Sunday. And so I thought to myself, I thought this was great. I thought I was being clever. And it ended up being, oh no, what am I going to preach on? (laughs) We've narrowed it down to Christmas and that's not very narrow. Christmas is huge because Jesus Christ is God become man. He came to be our Savior. Jesus came fulfilling prophecy. He proved God's covenant with his people of Israel. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. There was no sin in him. Because you see, sin comes from Adam. And so being conceived by the Holy Spirit, Christ was able to do what none of us else could do. For he was not born in sin like us. He lived perfectly. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. And then, the one who knew no sin became sin. He bore the cross for you and for me. We just sang that. Nails, spears pierced him through. The cross he bore for me and for you. And he rose from the dead to prove that the sacrifice was sufficient and perfect. And he lives now, and he ascended into heaven And he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. Jesus came and he brought to us salvation. Well, we can't attempt all these things today. But as I was going through and as I was studying the scriptures, as I was reading the narratives in the gospels, something kept jumping out at me. And I just couldn't escape it. And so I'm going to trust that God will use it today. But the two words were this, kept just screaming at me almost, fear not, fear not. Fear is interesting, isn't it? Any of you ever have a boss who motivated you with fear? Do this or, get in line or, the penalty will come and the penalty will come swiftly and quickly. Is it a motivator? Sure. Yeah. What about other fear? It's interesting. I think I would tell you that I was a pretty tough guy. And I never really felt I had a whole lot of fear. Can I tell you, I struggle almost every day with just a sense of dread sometimes. I don't know why. It's a battle that I've been given over the last 10 to 12 years it hit. 
It's not fun. And you know, you, you sit there and sometimes you just feel crippled. And man, my mind tells me, and I, by God's grace, I know his word. I know what the scriptures say. I know they say, be anxious for nothing. But by everything, let, prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, I, I believe it. 100% in those words bring me comfort. But there is this battle that I have to run to God, to run to God's word. And man, my life has been blessed. It is really, I don't always understand it. But I share this with you. Man, being honest is scary. I feel like saying amen right now. I'm just kind of walking off. It's scary to be honest. But I think... We need to just stop as a church thinking we're all perfect and we're all good and everything is hunky-dory. Sin, uh, church sometimes has just become, and I'm not saying this is where we're at, okay? Just it's, let the Holy Spirit work. But sometimes I think church in America has just become, hey, who hides their sin the best? And now that being said, I don't really want us to all come in and start bleeding all over each other either. I think what we need to do is proclaim Christ and his goodness. And he gets us through these things. So maybe that's why. Maybe it's because it's a particular struggle I have. That fear not just kept jumping out at me. I think also that this world is just we're motivated by fear. I think that people advertise with fear. People don't necessarily put out the good. Boy, especially like in politics. Vote for someone because if you don't, the world's going to go just down into the pit. Right? And so, well, why did you vote for someone? Well, because it was going to be terrible if I didn't. Then the other person. Why did you vote for him? It's terrible that you did. No one's happy. Everyone's just sitting there in this continual mess. And so what we need is Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, to cast out this fear. We do so many things because we're afraid of something. And so fear not. I believe we can't escape it. That this is a message of Jesus Christ bought. Fear not. So I want to look at four exhortations to fear not in the, in the narratives of the, in the Gospels of the Christmas and the Advent story. And then we're going to move to an Old Testament passage, which I pray will challenge all of us, will challenge us both as individuals and it will challenge us as a church to not fear. Fear not. Turn to Luke chapter 1. I hope your Bibles are ready. Your phone's ready. I use my phone, so I think that's great. Since it's Christmas, another free story. Uh, some people say, oh, you should not use a phone for your Bible. You should only use the Bible Bible. I guess I'd take it a step back and go, well, you should only use the scrolls. <laughs> they were there before. So this is Grace Bible Church. You absolutely have the grace to use your phone as your Bible. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 20. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abiah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. 
and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And Zechariah was troubled. Oh, wait, sorry. And there appeared to him, very important verse too. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord, a people prepared. And Zechariah said this to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words which was the word of God, which will be, will be fulfilled in their time. First fear not to Zechariah. The angel of the Lord Gabriel proclaimed to Zechariah, fear not, instead believe. Instead, have faith. Now, knowing what we know, we, we get to look at scriptures as recorded history. I'll admit something that I'm often a bit harsh on our brothers and sisters in the scriptures. You know, they have their sins, their doubts, their failures, and their trials, and their victories eternally recorded in scripture. We know about John the Baptist, and we know about Mary and Elizabeth, and then we say, Zechariah, why didn't you believe? Why the fear and the doubt? See, first the initial fear was this. The angel appeared. Now we're going to see this in, in three out of the four of our fear knots. Now we talk tough, don't we? We're like, I'm not afraid of anything. Let me tell you something. If an angel appeared right now, look, boom, don't tell me you wouldn't freak out. And if you say, oh, no, I'd be calm. No, you no, you won't. Uh, I like to think I'd be tough too, and I won't. I, I, fear would take over. I, I mean, look at what happens when there's even a semi encounter with God. These are this is not God who appears, but is one who stands in the presence of God. And every time you see this in Scripture, you see people hitting the deck, and you see people fearful. Even this this glimpse of glory brings fear. And that's a healthy fear. But what we see is they say, fear not. But Zechariah, he moves, his fear moves into doubt. 
So first, the initial fear is the angel appeared, but then it moves on. You know, speaking of like, we think we're tough. Last week, upstairs above my office, they were putting in new carpet, doing some reconstruction in my office building. And um, things were like shaking around. Well, my admin had gone off to lunch, and so um, they're working like crazy. Things are pounding the whole bit. The doorbell on my, the little bell that we have hanging on the door, it kept ringing. Just lightly. And my hearing's going for many reasons. And I'm like, so, hello? I kept like, from my office, I can't see the door. Hello? Nothing, but I kept hearing things. And I go, oh. One time it's like, I, someone's in the office. And I come out, and, but they're all upstairs. I'm looking around. You know, we think we're tough. I was getting unnerved. I'm like, I'm hearing things. And I'm like walking into my dad's office. And I'm almost scared. Like someone's going to, you know, I'm like on high alert. I don't want to get startled. Boom. The angel appears, what? Fear not. <laughs> okay, if you tell me so, I'll fear not. And I think he comes down because we get this news, and then the news starts processing, you're going to have a son. And he goes, no, I'm old. You've seen the wife? She's old. <laughs> this isn't going to happen. But Gabriel calms him with this wonderful announcing concerning John the Baptist and the coming Messiah. Doubt creeps in. And this startling fear is replaced. But God says, oh no, I'm going to accomplish this. You know, Zechariah is punished. It says, you will not speak because you did not believe. That's what Gabriel announces to Zechariah. But then John comes. In our scripture reading that we had this morning, look where Zechariah moved to, where he prophesies. His fear was moved to an assurance of God accomplishing his plan. Verse 67, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And it's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Fear not. Serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the Son shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of Fear not, but believe. The second fear not is Joseph. And we see the angel of the Lord proclaims this to Joseph. Do not fear. Trust God. And obey God. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew 1. 
starting at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. You know, we don't see much of Joseph in the scriptures. But we see a lot in this little package right here. We see this in our text. Joseph was a man of great character and godliness. But we see this. Joseph was a just man. He treated Mary with honor and dignity. Joseph did not want to bring shame upon Mary, and he was seeking to quietly end the relationship. Look, put yourself in their position. There is no way this looked good. Can you imagine their neighborhood? Don't put extra holiness on the people around at this time. Sin has been from the beginning. And I, okay, I know we need to be careful. So I'm moving into the, this is not thus saith the Lord scripture. This is Ron's opinion that he thinks is right. But you have the freedom to kindly correct me. Joseph didn't want to put Mary to shame. But there's no way that this was an easy situation. This was a cultural and societal mess for Joseph and Mary. He didn't look good. Imagine his friends. Joseph, really, come here, tell me the truth. I'm your friend. We've been friends since we were kids. What really happened? We have a miracle taking place here. And Joseph telling the truth is taken by faith. And he had that faith. But how do you pass that on to a friend or a neighbor who doesn't believe you? He didn't look good. Mary certainly didn't look good. If he marries her, the neighbors jump to all sorts of wrong conclusions about his character and his godliness. Do you know he could probably have completely ruined Mary? It wasn't me. He could have sent her off to the authorities to do what they would want to do. There weren't very good options. He could say, hey, you know how this all works. The child's not mine. 
But he didn't want to ruin Mary or her reputation. So he's seeking to quietly handle this. And it says here in the scriptures, but as he considered these things, you know, I don't think this was an easy decision. When you see the word considered, it means thought. He was processing this. What do I do? What's the right thing to do? How do I handle this? And God in his grace sends an angel in his dream. He says, Joseph, fear not. Don't be afraid. Mary, Mary, marry her. Child in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. You shall call his name Jesus. She will bear a son and he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph obeyed. Isn't God good? God in his grace says, I'm going to intervene here. Joseph, don't be afraid. I'm going to relinquish your fears. I'm going to extinguish them. Do what's right. I am with you. And Joseph did as the angel commanded. So we fear not. We trust God and we obey. Now us, in our lives, we have things that sometimes God will call us to do and we'll go, I don't know. That isn't really normal. And I don't know what it may be. But sometimes we read scripture and we go, that's hard. That's not what... I'll give you one. Love your enemies. That's natural. Well, God says to do it. He's at work in all these things that he tells us to do. And so we trust and we obey. Even when the world says, you're nut for doing that. You ever have someone hurt you and you go get advice from someone? How should I handle this? Well, you know what I would do is I'd get on revenge.com. And I'd figure out some, I don't know if that's a real website or not. I made that up. <laughs> Probably is, and I don't endorse it. Because it's not scriptural. But you see, that's what the world will say. Love your enemies. Are you a nut? You take your enemies out at the knee. Sweep the leg. Take them down. That's not what we do. God's way is different. And God's way is right. And sometimes we have to swallow hard. And we have to be strong. We have to be courageous. Look at Joseph. And meditate on this a little bit. Think about really what was going on. And look at the grace of God that he enabled Joseph to obey. Our God is good. So fear not. Trust him and obey. No matter what God's word says. Fear not number three is to marry. The angel proclaimed to Mary, do not fear. You have favor with God. Look at, uh, back to Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. 
And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of your father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, it's interesting in here. Mary's reaction is a little different. These verses, I read this, I see a fairly calm Mary with the angel. I don't, I don't, I'll be honest, if you have a good answer as to why she's different than and I'd be, and so many others in Scripture with an angel appearing. I don't know. It's, again, it's the grace of God. But what troubled her? It says that the proclamation troubled her. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. I think I understand that in my own weird humanness. You ever live your life where you really don't want to be noticed? So when I was in sales, I was taking a rookie out on the road. <laughs> oh boy, more honesty. He goes, hey, what's your goal as a sales guy? I go, to do better than they asked me to do, to do my best, but to be off the radar of the big guys back in Georgia. He goes, well, what's that mean? It means this. If you do too good, man, they just pile it on. And you are under the microscope as this huge top performer. Flip side, you do poorly, you're on their radar as we're going to give you the boot real quick. Even Stevens, baby. <laughs> top, right, right, top rain, but not on the radar. That's how my mind works a little bit. You know, I think sometimes we kind of feel that way. And if you kind of get scared, God may ask you something amazing and to do something really outside your comfort zone. I might, again, gentle correction is completely welcome. But greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. I think that brings, a, that brings just a, a discomfort. Okay, what makes me special? That the Most High God, and Mary was godly. As we read on later and we see her magnificent in her song of praise, she knew God for sure. I think sometimes we get nervous. What's God think of me? What's going on? I will tell you this. Do not fear what God thinks of you if you are in Jesus Christ. Don't fear. You are favored. 
just as Mary. God has great things in store for us. You know what God calls us? God calls us friend. John 15, 15, if you want to write that down. Ephesians 2.10, it says we are his workmanship, or we are his masterpiece. That's what God thinks of us. God calls us beloved many times in Scripture. Romans 1.7 is one of them. God calls us sons and daughters. He calls us his children. 2 Corinthians 6, 18, 1 John chapter 3, 1 and 2. We're sons and daughters, 2 Corinthians 6, 18. Fear not. We have favor with God through Jesus Christ. We are his children. For the sake of time, we'll move on to the last fear not. This is hard. There's so much here. I feel like I'm jumping really quickly through it. But maybe this could be something you just meditate on uh, in the next couple days before Christmas. Fear not, number four, is to the shepherds. The angels proclaim to them, fear not. Instead, worship and testify what God has done. Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Can you imagine how dark it was out there? Boom, the angels appear. That would scare me to death. And he says, fear not. Why? Because behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with hurry and haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known, they testified the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, worshiping, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard. And seen as it had been told them. When Christ is revealed to us, we do not keep it a secret. Have no fear telling others what Jesus Christ has done. Who Jesus Christ is. He came and he is my savior. And that is why we worship. That is why we glorify God. That is why we tell others. And we do so without fear. Fear not. Go proclaim that we have a Savior, Christ the Lord. I want to do a semi-long conclusion. Turn to Haggai. Chapter 2. 
I believe there's lessons for us here. The people of Israel here were in fear. They were discouraged. There were changes that happened. And look what God's word says. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house, the temple, in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it nothing? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the promise to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house, house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace declares the Lord of hosts. Let's unpack that for just this, for a few moments. The word of the Lord here is spoken through Haggai the prophet. This is the second message in the book of Haggai. And what we have going on is the, retemp, the rebuilding of the temple after exile in Babylon has begun. And so what's happened though is that rebuilding has been neglected. They started working on their homes and other things. See, the people have been commanded to rebuild and the work was stalled only about one month into the process. And the people, they're weak. The people are weary. The people are discouraged. And why? Why are they discouraged? Well, verse 3 tells us, as Haggai I asked this question, speaking for God, who was left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it nothing in your eyes? You see, about 70 years prior, what was there at this place? Solomon's temple. Now, we don't have time, but Solomon's temple was amazing. The finest of all things. Cedar wood, gold, silver. And now they're standing at this empty place, which was the center of worship. It was the dwelling of God. And the temple was magnificent. And it was appropriately awe-inspiring. And this memory of Solomon's temple remained. The people looked at this new temple and what they were working on, and they were uninspired. They were saying, we can't do what Solomon did. And so the memory of the old was killing. If it not, not already, it pretty much killed any desire for anything new. The people knew. They, said, they were saying to themselves, this temple will never, ever match what we had before. They wanted the glory days. 
And it was really this. They were saying they would rather have a memory of the great old than anything new if it's not going to be as good. We want the old. Let's just live with the memory. I would say this too. You know, oftentimes when you look back, there's a whole lot of like, you remember the good, right? We have an amazing ability to push out the bad. You know, Solomon's temple was defiled many times. Do you know the new temple wasn't? It was kept pure. So they're not mentioning that. But the attitude was this. And it's an attitude that's easy to have. I miss the good old days. Things will never be the same. In verses 4 and 5, I'm calling this an Old Testament version of but God. Remember how many times we said that in Ephesians? You were dead in your sins, but God was rich in mercy. God is stepping in and he's proclaiming something that Haggai in faith is proclaiming. He's not seeing this fulfilled yet. This will not be fulfilled till later. God says this, be strong, governor of Judah. Be strong, high priest Joshua. Be strong, Israel, people of the land. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. He's saying, look, yeah, you don't have a temple right now. I am with you. This echoes the words that he said to Solomon as Solomon was building this. I am with you. This has not changed. God Almighty is with them. God Almighty is with you. As he was in the past, he's with you today, and he will be with you in the future. And God proclaims, get to work. He says, I made promises, promises to you when I brought you from Egypt. My spirit is in your midst. Fear not. Work. Build a temple. Be strong and be courageous. And then look at this in verses 6 through 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. He's saying this temple that I want you to build, I will fill it with my glory. I will accomplish what I want to accomplish. But then he says something absolutely amazing to those who were there who could remember the grandness and the greatness of Solomon's temple. He says this, the latter glory of this house, what's to come later, shall be greater than the former. This new temple, which you think is nothing, it's never going to be as good, I'm telling you, it'll have. The latter glory shall be greater than the former. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. How does this fit in with Christmas? This temple is where Christ dwelled. Messiah came. Fear not, be courageous, work, build, for you're building something you cannot see. God is using your work and this temple to fill with the greater glory than Solomon's temple ever had. What's the greater glory? Who is this desire or treasure of the nations? It's Jesus, the Prince of Peace. I will bring peace. This temple will see, and it did see, the glory of the Messiah. Christ healed in this temple. 
Christ cleansed this temple. Christ died on the cross, and the veil in that temple was what? Ripped in two. Torn apart. Because through Jesus Christ, you have access now to this temple. In fact, it's even better than that. We now are a dwelling of God. Christ is in us. This temple served its purpose, and now look what we have, something better. We have Christ. We have Jesus. Christ died on the cross. The veil was torn in two. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, peace, by his blood, now we can enter into the presence of God. Not just once a year, not with a lot of ceremony, but we can go boldly because of Jesus. Jesus Christ, the perfect and final sacrifice. Do we need a sacrifice anymore in the temple? No. Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus made peace through the cross. So this Christmas, fear not. Fear not. God is with us. God is with you. God is with Grace Bible Church. I think we're getting on close to 20-something years. And there has been a lot. Higher? twenty. Well, I said 20-something, so that gives you a whole lot. You can make that at like to infinity almost. We've been here a long time. Boy, ups and downs. Great things. People saved. In all the years, we can look back and go, look what God did. Look what God did then. Look what God did then. Look, look, we're still here. God is at work. Don't get trapped and... And here's the thing, we could see great victory and we could see great sorrow and sin. That is me. I've been here a very long time and in leadership a long time. I own a lot of mistakes because I'm human. Here's the thing, God is bigger than that. And so guess what? When we're all gone and if the Lord chooses not to come back quite yet, someday I pray by faith that this church will still be here proclaiming the glories of Jesus Christ. I pray that we are doing things today that we have no clue what the ramifications or what God has planned. When I'm in the ground, just my body, I'll be with Jesus. And so will all of us. Do you know that building across the street is like a hundred and something years old? Walk in it and you'll go, oh yeah, that's for sure. Do you think the people who build that could even envision what's happening today? God is with us. Don't get trapped in the lie. Well, the days were better 15 years ago. I mean, you don't know that. God is with us. And it's all perspective. I can talk to some people and say, oh, 15 years ago wasn't so good. Look, no. Stop it. Let's be obedient to what God calls us to do. If we are proclaiming God's word, if we are worshiping Jesus Christ, if we are um, practicing what God has called us to do, the Lord's Supper, baptizing people, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, going into all the world, there's not a whole lot really that, if we're doing that, God is good. And he is with us. We don't have to fear. This is awesome. We are in good shape because, not because of us. If it's just us, we're in bad shape. But with God with us, 
We are exactly where he would want us to be. But we need to strive to be obedient. But fear not. Let us not be a church crippled with fear. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is working in ways that we may never see. Fear not. We have peace because we belong to the Prince of Peace. I leave with this benediction. And we're going to sing a couple songs. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you. And he is Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. and Lord, I just thank you for what you have done for us. Lord, through Jesus Christ, we need not fear, for he has accomplished our salvation. Father, through Christ, the barrier we had, the sin that had separated us from you has been removed. Father, I would pray for those in here who may not know Jesus. Father, may you open their eyes to see, see that the, their sin has separated them from you, but that you have made peace through Jesus Christ. Father, all of us, may we daily remember the gospel, remember what you have done. And Father, may we be joyful in our salvation. Father, may we proclaim, be proclaimers and worshipers of, because of our salvation. And Father, may at this Christmas time our hearts be filled with thankfulness because you came to save us from our sins. And so we fear not, for you are with us.